Welcome to Miami Creators. I am your host, Corrado, and I am a photographer here in beautiful Miami, Florida. And each week, I bring you the inspiring stories behind Miami's most influential businesses, individuals, entrepreneurs, and more. On this episode, we are joined by Mark Mekna, a former professional athlete and co-owner of Anatomy, one of the best fitness studios in all of Miami, beloved by athletes, celebrities, and more. In today's episode, we get an inside look into what drives Mark and his path to get to where he is today. We discuss lessons learned, transitioning from professional athlete into business owner, going on a 10-day meditation retreat and the impact that had on him, and much, much more. And trust me, if you're listening to this episode, then you also have to check out his documentary, Just a Kid from Fall River. So, without further ado, please sit back, relax, and enjoy this authentic and impactful conversation with Mark Megna. Mark, welcome to the show. It's good to be on the show, man. Thank you so much for having me. It's really, uh, it's nice to talk to people, especially now. <laughs> yeah, that's right. As we are talking, there's still some sort of quarantine stuff happening in Miami due to COVID. Maybe before we get into it, maybe you take a couple minutes and introduce yourself and anatomy and everything that you do um, for the listeners who may not be aware of who you are. My name is Mark Megna. I am... Um, Honestly, an everyday, an everyday guy. I live in Miami, Florida with my wife, Melanie. Um, we have two pups that we adore and love. I'm um, one of the co-owners of Anatomy Fitness, a South Florida fitness brand. Very proud of it. I'm proud to be associated with the co-owners. And I'm just an everyday guy trying to do the very best I can and add value to the world. We did not create Anatomy to start a gym. Uh, there's nothing wrong with that. I don't judge that, but that's not what, what our intention was. Our intention was to create a culture of uh, hardworking overachievers who enjoy the process of working in order to become your very best version. And I think that we're on our way to doing that. We have a, a lot of work to do, but that that's the intention and that's what we're, we've set out to do. And that's what we're still trying to do in the current times. And we're holding strong. Um, but anatomy is a one-stop shop of fitness, wellness. Uh, we say culture is everything at anatomy. We have group fitness. We have over a hundred classes at three locations of group fitness a week. We have, you know, maybe 50 group fitness instructors. We have 30 body architects. Uh, they're trainers. We call them body architects. because so They architect the body and they work on mechanics, movement of the body some aesthetics and movement quality spa component. We have a cold plunge, hot, hot whirlpool. We have a um, infrared sauna, steam room, everything you could possibly think of in a fitness wellness facility and a little bit more IV therapy. Uh, we have a hair salon at one of the locations. We have uh, chiropractic physical therapy at other locations, Wow! everything you could possibly think of. So this People go there to spend time around like-minded individuals. And the truth is, they, you, you go there to be a part of something bigger than yourself. And we, we, we enjoy our days very much. It doesn't mean every day is easy, but it means that for the most part, we're surrounded by very good people. And that's included in our community. 
that's a very important word that you just said there, community. And it's very apparent that that's exactly what you've built. Um, you know, before we get into some of the personal stuff, uh, I, I, like I said, before we started recording, I watched your documentary last week. Um, very inspirational stuff. And I highly recommend to all the listeners that they tune in and check that out. Um, Thank you for watching. Thank you. Where do you turn to for inspiration and ideas on how to develop, you know, your product offerings, how to improve anatomy, your business, all of that? There's a few buckets. Um, Firstly, I played sports my entire life from the age of six years old. I did not, I was not raised with a father. And I always tell people I didn't have one father. I had 20 fathers because every coach that I played sports with uh, or for or under or learned from pretty much became a father figure in my life in some way, shape or form. And I learned so much from them. And particularly my high school coach coaches, I played hockey, I played football, I played baseball, but my hockey coach in high school was special. My high school football coach was extraordinary. My college coach is one of the greatest coaches that ever lived, Jim Reed. And uh, the NFL coaches I played for, Bill Parcells, Bill Belichick, Dick LeBeau, Pete Carroll, There's, there, those are four Hall of Fame coaches. And the reason I bring that up, to answer your question, I know it's long-winded, but it has nothing to do with football. The reason that these coaches rise to the top is that they have an organizational structure where certain things are incredibly important and other things are not important at all. What's important? People, behavior, attitude, energy, patterns of behavior. And what I learned through all of these people is make sure first and foremost that your attitude is on point, that you do things right. What does that mean? That means if no one's looking, they know you're doing the right thing. You can be trusted to do the right thing when no one's watching because what you do in the dark will always come to light. And then that's the first bucket. So all the coaches that I was raised from, they taught me this skill set. So it's not like I'm ahead of anyone else, but I have a lot of years of learning from special coaches who each one, Bill Belichick has 51 years just in the NFL. Right. And that's one coach. So all of that experience I have now, I I pick the pieces that are the best and apply them to our team because we're not a football team, but we are an organization. So that's the first bucket, the coaches. The second bucket is my business partners. Highly intelligent, super fast thinkers, good people, good hearts, good energy, businessmen who own several businesses. One owns a thousand, the other one owns 10 and the other one worked for 20. So that's the second bucket. The third bucket is where I get my inspiration to learn the business, to run the business, learn the business. I don't run the business or, or do anything by myself. I do with my team and, and the other owners, but I learn from the team. The team will tell you what the way things should be done based on their behavior, what they need, what kind of discipline they need, but I get it from them. They'll tell you. I think a lot of leaders or or coaches or people who run businesses, they want to point the finger and say, this is what it is. And they don't do the most important part, which is be an active listener. Listening is a great skill set. And that's something that we all need to do better, particularly myself. I'll ask a question and then 
I just shut my mouth and listen and they'll tell you everything you need to know if you pay attention. My apologies. I know that was a long answer, no, but that was the best I have. No, yeah. no, no. That's great. And the reason I started off with that question is because one of the things that came across as an incredible accomplishment is your transition from professional sports and all the things that you had to go through to building what you're currently building, right? And as you just said, that ability to listen um, where your teammates are telling you what they need and, and you're drawing inspirations from them. Is that something that came natural to you or is that something that at, at some point, how did you develop that? No, no, not at all. And I'm not necessarily old, but I do come from an old school mentality where, you know, it used to be like if someone speaks up, maybe it's a complaint, it's a gripe, it's a moan, it's, there's always a problem. There's, there are, listen, there are, I'm not perfect. There are certainly people out there that have a lot to say. And I think that they need to do a better job of thinking before they're speaking. However, now I view things as if they're telling me something, there's probably a good reason they're saying it. They're feeling something. So that took me years to figure out. Listen, I, everyone in my family has a short fuse. You know, <laughs> the reason I excelled at sports is because I was a very aggressive young person and I had a hot temper, but you know, you realize that behavior is going to get you somewhere to a certain point, but that behavior does nothing for you off the grass. If you're losing your cool every two seconds, we have a term for a person like that. It's called a child, you know, it's called immaturity. And I didn't, I never wanted to be deemed an immature person. And I started to see myself as, look, if you're, if you can't take feedback, if you can't, can't take criticism, if you don't have an open mind, if you're always losing your cool, if you're easily irritated, you're a child, you're not a functioning adult. So if you want to be a functioning adult and you want to be productive in life and you want to be a productive worker, coworker, I don't care if you work for someone or you work for yourself, you have to learn patience and you have to figure things out. And if someone's saying something to you or speaking or sharing something, they're sharing it for a good reason. Now, they may be sharing it because they want you to hear exactly what they're saying or there may be a message within the message and that's your your task figuring out in training we say you have to f understand what the person's telling you and then what they're not telling you and why they're not telling you what are some of the key moments uh both good and bad in the evolution of of the business that helped you get to where you are today you know for many years after professional sports uh, I played in front of, you know, these big, beautiful crowds of people who are always rooting for you. And I think what happens is a lot of professional athletes can't start a second career because they can't humble themselves. So as soon as sports ended for me, I went into what I believe I wrote about it in my book. The book is called dream big, never quit. I went into what I believe is a depression and, and everyone would ask me, how are you doing? And I would say, oh, I'm fine. Everything's great. And that's, that's my canned ham response, but that's not, that wasn't true. And not like I was in shambles and crying at my home because I wasn't at all. But when I went, was going through my days, I was working out for like 10 hours a day. And that's not normal. I was trying to distract myself and numb myself. Some people use drugs. Some people use alcohol. I was using training. And I didn't realize that it's okay 
to not play football. You have to think that every waking second of my life from six years old till 30 was used playing football, practicing, watching video, running, lifting. And then all of a sudden, in the blink of an eye, it's, it's done. It's like your, ident your entire identity is. Everything. It's done. So the, the amount of athletes that recover from that and parlay that into something else, like what a professional football has become. Professional footballers are announcers, analysts, or the coaches. That's it. I mean, there's certainly ones that do other things, but there's just not a lot of them who do other things. So failing, meaning I only played, I played in the NFL for three years, played in the CFL for five, but failing helped me tremendously because it helped me humble myself. And I had to go work at a corporate wellness facility, basically as a ramping trainer, cleaning up the floor and learning. Like I, didn't, I thought I knew how to train. I didn't know how to train. I didn't know how to program. I had to learn that. I had to study. I, I applied everything I learned in football, film, studying, studying athletes, studying players. Now I study trainers. I studied clients. I studied behavior. I studied programming, sets, reps, rest, recovery. I studied all those things. And I continue. That pushes me today. I love studying the body, mechanics, recovery strategies, strength strategies, cardiovascular training, the heart. I enjoy those things very much. So being humbled was a huge thing starting off in my, pr my primary function was trying to connect with people, get, build a client roster and clean the floor and organize the weights. I wasn't above it. I mean, people thought I was a lunatic, but I wasn't above it. I said, I'm gonna clean the floor. I'm gonna clean it better than anyone else. I'm gonna organize everything. Right. And, uh, so now I can be in a gym and I can spot things in my right and left that are out of, out of sync and the weights, the numbers and the weights are upside down. The bands aren't, the bands aren't aligned. All the, the collars on the bar, they're not aligned. Like I see those things and they think I'm crazy, but I really do that with everything. And that was a, a big moment for me. And then after training, you know, almost a, over almost a decade doing 10, 12, 15 sessions a day, I figured out that I want to be a part of something really special. And I, I was connected with a lot of group fitness instructors, a lot of trainers. Uh, they were, they were, they were friends, but they were people I respected. And I wanted to create something that was a wonderful culture where people come in and they say, this place is different mm -hmm. because people care and there's good energy here. And it's not BS. It's genuine. That became a big moment for me. And then meeting my, my business partner, uh, my first two, Randy Frankel and Chris Pacello, like things clicked and I respected them very much. And I, I wanted to work with, with them and I wanted to add value to what we were trying to do. And then I had a moment a year ago where, I mean, I was tired. I, I was, my head was in a million places and because of, the workload and the things I was doing specifically the way I was doing it. And I was bringing the old school mentality to things. I started to become frustrated and irritable and tired and a bit bitter. And I didn't realize that that was my behavior and I needed a change And my business partner, Chris Pacello suggested something to me to send me to a place. It was, it's called the Vipassana meditation retreat. And when he went, I said, that's ridiculous. I'll, I would never do that. I don't need it because I'm a very centered person, not a great person. And the irony is, if you say that, one of the key takeaways is 
that if you say that, that means you need to go. <laughs> and people don't really realize that. No, I'm good. I don't need that. That what I hear when people say that either they have no idea what it is or they're fearful because it's a 10 day retreat. There's no talking. There's no cell phones. There's no email. There's no eye contact. There's no gestures. There's nothing. Wow. There's nothing. There's no reading. There's no, no reading. There's no taking notes. There's it's 10 hours of meditation a day for 10 days with this, you're completely detached from the outside world. Wow. And, and most people have never even heard of this, but the CEO of Twitter, uh, Jack, I forget his name. Jack Dorsey. Thank you. Jack Dorsey does it every year. Uh, also, Grotto, it's free and is a waiting list to get in. And they provide all the meals. It's a nice facility. It's peaceful, but it will change your life forever. Wow. And it changed me in a way where I meditate every day. And that has helped me be a better husband. And believe me, I'm no peach. I'm still, I have a lot of work to do. My wife will second that, but, uh, I, I hope business partner, uh, person, human being, hopefully leader to our team, team worker, worker and body architect. It, it's changed me in such a profound way that the only justice that I could pass to that course and that experience is if you want a very special step in your life, go. And I'll tell you, I've done a lot of very challenging things. The most challenging thing I've ever done. Was there a particular moment during that experience that like really marked you or was it just kind of like a, you know, this steady drip, drip, drip of, of, of the whole experience? Yeah, definitely the steady drip thing. But also I'll tell you that People say, oh, day three is the hardest. No, no, day four, day six, day seven. Well, my business partner went, I think he left on day six. He said, I can't do it. I got to leave. I need my cell phone. Because they take your cell phone away. And they take all your belongings away. And it's just you in a room in the meditation hall, 10 hours a day. And it's, 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 it rips at your soul. But it's the only way to get you to this place where they call you have your equanimous, which means that... Your when emotion when when you have a feeling or a sensation, you either get emotional, that means you don't like it, or you love it and you create a craving. Either one is not good because it's the two extremes. When something comes in, you should just let it pass through you. You shouldn't let it control your energy, your tone, your temperature, anything. And that's a very high level place to be. But just me working on that, it took me to a place where it just changed my perspective. We, we're so stuck in a way where we think the world revolves around us. And no matter what you may think or say, that's, that's our go-to. That's our default. And that got me out of it to think, a guy cuts me off on the road, okay? I'm driving. Oh my God, I'm going to kill this guy. Like old Mark, like NFL, which would follow him 25 miles and drag him out of his car. And people won't believe that, but that's the truth. Now, if someone cuts me off, I think maybe that guy has to get home because his son is dying. Maybe his son is in the back seat and has a medical condition and he's cutting people off because he needs to get his son to the hospital or his daughter to the hospital. It just changes my mind. Like I'm in the grocery right. store and I think... I'm the most important person in line. I got to get out of here. I have better things to do. Well, what about them? They have better things to do too. Right. I'm not the only person in a rush. 
So it really opened my brain and my eyes to things that I never would have even contemplated or thought about. That's so fascinating. It reminds me of my experience. I did uh, Mount Kilimanjaro a few years back. Wow. And I, I went through something similar. Obviously, you don't have that level of isolation, but you are, you're not showering for a few days. You're climbing a mountain for a few days. It's cold. You're, you know, you're bored, all of this. And the first night, you're thinking, this is incredible. I'm doing this amazing thing. Day two, you're like a little tired, worn out. Mm-hmm. You're starting to smell. Oh. You're like, ah, by day three or four, you're just like hating life. You're like, just get me off this mountain. I'm just ready to go home. But I've always said, you come out of those experiences a better man and a better woman. Because it forces you to face your demons. It forces you to... Be uncomfortable. Exactly. Be uncomfortable and, and go beyond that limit that you thought you had, right? Kind of reminds me of what we're going through right now. Exactly. Like everyone, everyone talks about... I'm a, I'm, I'm a warrior, beast mode. I'm going to kill it in the gym. I'm kicking butt, growth mindset. Get out of your comfort zone. I just laugh. I'm like, dude, this is what they're talking about. They're not talking about going in the gym and picking up a bar or taking out the trash. They're talking about you're, what you're going through right now. This is the growth mindset. Yeah, exactly. You're, you're forced to be, do, to be in a position that you don't want to be in, where your opportunities and your options are taken away. Good luck. Yeah. How have you guys been adapting and and dealing with all of this? Well, the reason we do well is because we are a social business and people come. Remember I said, you know, we weren't trying to create a gym. We're trying to create a culture and a community. Well, that community does well because they're together. Now that we don't have that, we're suffering um, and it's difficult. It's not just difficult for anatomy. It's difficult for all fitness brands. Um, So what we've done is I got to give credit to the team. Uh, We've had, we've had some, you know, a lot of people, we say that tough times don't build character, they reveal it. So we're seeing a lot of people's true colors, but a lot of the colors that we do see from the team are awesome. Like people are rising up. You know, you sometimes you think that people are going to be, what about me? What about me? What about me? And you know, we've had a lot of people, what can I do for the business? What can I do to help you? What can I do to help sustain the business that's carried me for three or four years? Now they're working under an umbrella, but they're, they appreciate where they're at. So, you know, the, they're doing virtual sessions. They're doing calls to stay connected to the community. They're doing all those things. And just, you know, a body architect calling a member, it's like, that that's incredible. You know, like right. that's super nice that you thought about us to reach out and call a phone call. Like people really appreciate that. You know, they really do. And um, all you can do is stay connected to the people that are on the team uh, that are in the community and, we're not charging members. Um, we've continued to financially assist our team. And it's not easy, but that's what we're doing. So when we come out of this, you don't know what the other side is going to look like, what the new normal is, but we're going to lead the way and do everything we can to make people feel comfortable. Because we know, you know, people need fitness and wellness. Everyone knows that. So we're going to try to make them as feel as comfortable, as safe when the time's right as we can. This is a question that I always like to ask all of my guests. Would you consider yourself a fitness trainer first, business person second in your case, or would you say it's the other way around? That's interesting. Um, I don't know. I mean, I think I've transitioned. My, My work is heavy, heavy in the people. So meaning like our team, the community, my clients, 
their clients. Like that, that's my primary function, but all, all responsibilities go to putting the trainers in a position to have more success than they could possibly could ever have and making sure things are good for them, assisting the team in any way I can. Um, I mean the front office team, but then also I know I'm supposed to be a businessman first, but a wise man told me this many years ago. He said, it's never just business. And if you believe that you're already done. So although there are business decisions to make, I get that. That's why we have the team that we have and the leaders that we have, because we weigh everything and we do make all decisions in a collective manner, right? It's a collaboration and we value each other a great deal. And that's the upside of being surrounded by really great people. For somebody who may have not seen your documentary or doesn't know your whole life story, maybe go into some of the most important experiences that you've had in life um, and how those shaped you. I'll start off with this. Let's say you're in a, you're in a fitness facility, a gym, and you see someone who's heavy set, uh, who has a, a good amount of extra weight on their body. It's impossible to understand what they're feeling unless what? Unless you've been it. Unless you've been in that position. And then people say, when were you ever out of shape or fat or obese? I say, well, dude, when I was up until I was maybe 14 years old, I was a very large child. They go, well, define that. I said, well, I was five foot six. I weighed 200 pounds. That's when I was like 11. So I was bullied and picked on massively as a kid. And I, I'm, the reason I shout it from like a mountaintop is because it was horrible. Like when I look in the mirror, I see the bullied kid. I see the fat out of shape kid and that never goes away. It never will. So when I see someone who's out of shape, not feeling good in the gym, awkward, shy, I want to run over there and give him a hug because I know what that's like. And it's a horrible place to live 24, seven, 365. So I think that being raised by a single parent, my mother, who's a champion and my hero, I saw my mother, like I have one job here and it, you know, I get up at three, I get up at three thirty, four, whatever it is. I never complain. And I know people think I'm crazy, but I will jump out of bed, man. I am so excited because my mother worked three jobs. I have one and I love what I do. So it's like, and I'm not, look, I'm not, don't get, don't, please don't get the wrong opinion of me. I don't, I'm not positive all the time. So my mother working several jobs, seeing her struggle seeing her have a very, uh, a very tough life, being an obese kid, being bullied, um, having a very challenging time learning. I was dyslexic. I didn't know I was dyslexic till I was halfway through college. And I'm sitting there and the teachers are screaming at me because I'm stupid. And I'm thinking, I'm not stupid. Like I, I want to learn this. I promise you, I want to learn this, but I'm really struggling. Like I'm not stupid. Like I promise you, I'm going to learn this, you know? So once I started to figure it out, like Mark, you care, you have the heart and you can figure this out. Like 
Once you care about something, Corrado, and it means a lot to you, now you have to find the tools to do the things you want to do. And that's usually associated with the people who can help you and care enough to teach you. And that's my mother. That's my grandparents. That's my, all of my coaches, my teammates in college, in the NFL, my teammates now, um, my business partners, like they're good people and they've been patient with me and they want to help me. And I pray every day that I give it back to them. So when you come from that place, once you have those experiences under your belt, it's hard to walk into a conversation cocky or with an ego when you're like, hey, man, I'm, I just want to talk and do this together. Let's work this out. Right. So you're touching on something that a lot of people feel, right? Like it's the, the imposter syndrome. Everybody feels like they're about to get found out or, or yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, yeah. why do you think it's so hard for us as human beings? Or why do you think it's so hard for you to not do that, to, to, to still look in the mirror and not see who you are today, but still see that overweight kid, that bullied kid? Well, I think that's the beauty of it, right? I mean, if you, the people who forget those things, they're the ones, in my opinion, who are in trouble because you're, okay. why, why would you want to forget those things? Like those are, those things, they're not negative. They're assets. Like that's an asset to have that knowledge. And I say, Hey, I'm talking to a body architect. See that person over there. That person's really uncomfortable. And here's why you see when they walked in, how they looked at this big room and then they walked over in the corner it's not just because they wanted to social distance before social distancing was necessary. They walked, they walked in the corner because they're shy. And it's not that they, oh, no, Mark, they want to be left alone. I understand that. But here's why that's not true. They have a size small body, but they're wearing a triple XL shirt. They're trying to hide something. Like You need to pay attention to that. Just go say hello. I'm not talking about becoming their shrink in five minutes. That's not our job. Just go over there and say, what's up? How you doing, man? That's going to make them feel a little bit more comfortable, right? And that's that's the asset. And then, like, there's a certain part, like, I'm never going to forget where I came from. I'm never going to forget the, that kid that struggled. I'm never going to forget the hurdles my mother had and what we went through, and it was hellish at times. But there's also a part, Grotto, that I used to see myself as the kid who grew up in Fall River, Massachusetts, and I don't need a nice car. I'm from Fall River, Massachusetts. I don't need a lot of money. I'm from Fall River, Massachusetts. I don't need to be anyone special. I'm from Fall River, Massachusetts. But then one day, a friend of mine pulled me aside and he said, hey, man, I was in California and I was in a gym and I was rowing and someone was next to me and we started talking about rowing. And the guy said, hey, man, let me ask you a question. Uh, do you, who do you follow? He goes, dude, I follow this guy named Mark Magna in Miami. And he goes, this guy brought your name up in a gym in California. I thought he was joking. He said, no, dude, yeah, he brought your name up. And then he started talking. And I was thinking, like, I was in shock that this guy even knew who I was. But that made me think, you, at some point, Corrado, you have to, you have to stop thinking about that kid from Fall River and start to see yourself the way the world sees you. Right. right? And that's, that's exactly why I'm asking you. Cause it, it's that, 
it's the careful balancing act of you have to know your worth, but still not forget where you're coming from, right? And who you were and use that to your right for the good, not for the bad. Yeah, you're going to say your advantage, right? But here's the thing, like, that's the whole thing. Are you using it for good? Are you using it to take advantage? That's the difference. So when, when I said you have to stop seeing yourself, and I heard Eric Thomas say it, you have to stop seeing yourself the way you see yourself and start seeing yourself the way the rest of the world sees you, which means once you have a presence in a room, forget about the world, who gives a crap about social media? If you influence people in any way, shape or form, guess what? You must be responsible with how you act, how you behave, the things you say, because you are influencing people based off your behavior and the way you live. And if you're not smart enough to know that, then the, the world's going right over your head. You're placed on this earth for a reason. What is your purpose and how are you going to add value? And you must be careful because you influence people. Any quotes that you think of often or that you try to live by? Man, there's so many. I, I, there's a couple of new ones. Um, if you have hope in the future, you have power in the present. Why does that strike a nerve with you? No one has 100% great days, right? And like, I'm not happy all the time. Lord knows it. Ask my wife. But she'll also tell you that he can turn it around like that. Because I've trained myself to, listen, it's not that bad. I tore my knee. It's not that bad. It healed. I tore it again. It's not that bad. I've been through it before. It's going to heal again. So if you have hope that things will be better at some point, you have power in the present. If you could go back 10 years ago, knowing what you know today, having the experiences that you've had up until now, what piece of advice would you give yourself? Uh, Man, that's hard to just say one thing. That's really hard to say one thing. I would say I, what came to mind was not calm down, but it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay because I am not, I'll tell you, to answer, I'll tell you a quick story before NFL games. Okay. I would have anxiety because I thought I was on a kickoff team. And if I was on like, if you're playing special teams in the NFL, cause I was a reserve guy, I would always get nervous because I was like, man, if it's kickoff, it's easy because I'm the hunter, but on kickoff return, I'm the hunted. I didn't like that. <laughs> so I remember before the Patriots game, I was really nervous and I'm waiting for the coin toss and Willie McGinnis walks by me. I don't know if you know who Willie McGinnis is. He played for the Patriots. He's an NFL analyst now, but he was a legend. Okay. He was like my hero. The guy's six, five, six, six, 255 pounds. looks like a Greek God. And he goes, Megs, what's wrong? And I said, nothing, man. I always get nervous before the coin toss. He said, why? And I told him what I just told you. And he goes, the way I see it, you're going out in the field anyway. So why are you getting nervous? You know you're going out there regardless. Why are you setting that negative mindset? You should just know that you're going out there and whatever you do, you're going to do it well. That's why he's Willie McGinnis. What was it that made you feel like you were hunted? Like, it, was it the, the hit that was going to come? Was it about the well, making a mistake? Was well, it, what, what was the pressure that you felt behind it? Because well, I know my I man. saw the documentary, yeah, yeah, dude, yeah. you can lay yeah. down some real yeah. good hits. So. Yeah. yeah. Well, when I, when I'm hunting someone and when I'm running after someone, I know my mind mentality. 
And just knowing that there's 11 other guys that could possibly be thinking the same way is a daunting sensation. It's a anxiety. And I'm thinking if they're all thinking like me, I'm in trouble. Right. So, okay. and, and on kickoff return, you have to run deep, turn around and block someone who's sprinting 40 yards full speed. Try to turn right. around and I'm going to run at you 40 yards and try to block me. <laughs> yeah. It's like, it's, it's stupidity. So, but on kickoff, it's like, I'm coming for you and I'm going to have a 40 yard head start. I'm going to be running as fast as I can. You cannot block me. So it's a different mindset. So I had to make that shift. When Willie said that to me, I remember thinking, he's right. It doesn't matter what that coin is. I'm going out there and I have to do my job and I have to treat it with the same mentality. And I thought, well, why am I the hunted? I can be the hunter on that side of the ball as well. Does that make sense? Yeah. Flip side of that question. Mark, from 10 years from now, is coming back to today. What's a piece of advice that you think you need to, you need to tell yourself today? I'd say trust yourself. Just trust yourself. Like we all want to believe that we have ice in our veins and we're like Tom Cruise and Top Gun and we can make the best decisions. And it's like, dude, I talk about it like this. Try to understand this analogy. You have someone that weighs 300 pounds. They work hard for two years and they get down to 180 pounds and in the best shape of their life. And their biggest fear is what? What's their biggest fear? You know it. What is it? That they're going to gain it all back. Thank you. That they're going to gain it all back. Right? Yeah. And I always tell them, you're not gaining that weight back. And they go, well, how do you know? I go, here's why I know. Because you worked your ass off to get here. And you know that there's no moment in time that you're going to sit down on your couch and throw down a whole two pizzas, which is what you used to do. So are you planning on doing that anytime soon? No, I don't. Guess what? You're not gaining the weight back. Because you've shifted, not only have you changed your body, but you've changed your mindset, right? right? And I know that I'm never going to not do my best. I'm always going to do my best. You know why? Because I can't live with myself unless I care about the person in front of me and do my best. So I know I'm always going to do right by that person. What is next for you and anatomy? Man, well... Anatomy is still growing. It's actually still under construct. Our uh, fourth location is under construction right now in Coconut Grove. It's going to be probably the most beautiful location yet. We're all very excited about it. I can't wait for the opening. Uh, it's to be determined because we don't, with this, things were kind of thrown off in regards to timeline, but probably within the next six to seven months, I believe, um, we're looking at another location in Miami. So, quite possibly in the next year or to a year and a half, we'll have five, possibly six locations. We're also doing other locations within the one hotel. We have one now. It's beautiful. We're working on several collaborations with the one hotel, which is an incredibly incredible brand owned by Barry Sternlich. Um, look, when you're surrounded by great people, when I mentioned Chris before and Randy Franco, like these guys, they, they want to build something, right? And they know how to do it. So I, I kind of just listen to them and I know that this brand is taking off in the most positive way because of the people. And it's, it's going to become something really special. And all we have to do is continue to keep the proper intention in mind, which is build a community, build a good, a good group of people who understand the anatomy way. And that's all we can do. 
Let me switch into Miami rapid fire segment. So this is a segment that I like to do. It's just quick questions about Miami living. Short, sweet answers of the first thing that comes to mind. Okay. Favorite food spot and dish. Ooh, my favorite food spot. I got to give uh, two. So I'm going to go with Nayara Chef B. Favorite dish. The uh, curry duck is incredible. I love Chef B. He's the man. And uh, Prime Italian. Uh, Cheryl's the manager over there. I love Prime Italian. Uh, eggplant parm. All right. Perfect way to spend a Miami weekend. Perfect way to spend a Miami weekend. Probably having my brother and his family in town uh, and hanging out with the family and my wife or, you know, I have my friends or, you know, we all go to dinner with Randy Frankel, who's one of the greatest guys ever. And he, that guy lives to like, you know, have a wonderful dinner and just have a good time and just have a few laughs and, and just enjoy the moment. Um, enjoy the weather, go for a little bike ride. I haven't been to the beach in like two years, man. <laughs> so I, I never go to the beach, but family time, we have a beautiful backyard. So that's a blessing. And I love just hanging there with the pups and my wife and just relaxing. If you're stuck in Miami traffic, what are you listening to? It's an audio book. I'm, I'm big on audio books. I, I just, or I'll listen to, I like listening to special types of speeches on YouTube, not just inspirational, motivational. I like listening to information. Okay. Like I want to listen to like, if someone's going to explain the way the mind works, something about the brain, something about um, whatever it is, it could be vision, um, the way the body functions, the way the, the body processes food. Like I'm just intrigued about the body, cell okay. health, whatever it may be. I listen to a lot of Dr. Rhonda Patrick. I think she's wonderful. Of course, there's the guilty pleasures like the Joe Rogans, the things like that. Um, I'll listen to first take with, uh, skip Bayless. I love Colin Coward. Those are the guilty ones, but I don't allow myself those all the time. I love those, but I like to, I like to learn something. And I feel better when I actually learn something, you know, but I like to be caught up on sports. I play sports my whole life. Of course. You mentioned audiobooks. Any, what are some of your, your favorite books of all times? Man of all time. Well, I'm working on an audio book now for my book, which is very interesting. It's, it's actually a very interesting process. You have to like pepper the words. Have you listened to uh, how to be, how to, uh, living with a seal by Jesse Itzler? No. Oh, you got living with a seal by Jesse Itzler. I climbed a mountain okay. with Jesse in, uh, in Vermont and, and it was incredible. Stratton. I think it's Stratton, Vermont, I think. Um, but he did a book and the reason I wanted to do an audio book because I love this audio book just because he did such a great job with his voice and the audio. And it was a great story. But so I'm doing that with my book. So I need to hear a great voice. That's my point. But the great, powerful books, um, I loved Ego is the Enemy. Okay. It's just very smart. And it's like the whole time I'm thinking, oh, my God, this guy's talking about me. I'm an idiot. Right. So that Ego is the Enemy. I'm like, I got to fix that. But also, you know, a book that's so good. It was, I think it came out in 1936 or 38. It's still a bestseller, How to Win Friends and Influence People. The worst, part about, the worst part about that book is the name because they say that, you know, oh, I don't want to influence people. I don't want to manipulate people. That has nothing to do with it. It talks about how to communicate uh, and have, have great relationships, skill sets with human beings. And the title doesn't do it justice. But my teacher in college 
for speech communication told me to read Dr. Thomas told me to read that book. I read it. And he said, when you're done reading it, read it again. And then Mark, read it every year, one time. And I've done that. And it's such a huge help. And people every say, single yeah. time, every single time you hear it, you read it or hear it. It's, it's like a, you're at a different stage in life and right. it speaks to you in a completely different way. Exactly. 100%. It's such a, it's a, it's a brilliant book. It's so forward thinking and it makes perfect sense in a very simplistic way. Yeah. Any other Miami businesses, individuals, or, or people that you want to show a little of love to or mention <sighs> for doing amazing things? Yeah, man. Uh, I mean, there's so many, uh, you know, I, I go to these different restaurants and, and I love, I mean, there's certain ones that I really appreciate. I love, listen, Rice House of Kebab in Miami, uh, Ellie, Essie, they're incredible people. I think the world of those guys, I've known them. The first day I came to Miami, I went to lunch at Rice and I was the only person in there. And I think they just opened. I ate there every single day, sometimes twice a day. And they treated me, they didn't know me from Adam. I was a stranger and they treated me like family. And I know they were trying to do good service and all that, but they were just nice people. Ellie came to my wedding. I mean, they're just incredible human beings. So uh, I like to highlight them. Um, I know, I know a lot of different training studios, Manning Sumner of legacy fits a good human being. I, I think the world of him, um, he helped me uh, when I was transitioning. Um, Louis Barone, who has business now, he's a good kid. I think the woman's like a little brother. I love that guy. All these people that I've been attached to, uh, Cody Patrick, um, he, he's a great guy. These are just great human beings for the community. And they just, they kind of get it, you know? They, they understand people. They understand life. Um, and I just, watching them grow and watching them have success, I love it. And I think there's enough to go around. I want everyone to be successful. I really do. And I understand everyone can't be successful, but I'm rooting for everyone, you know, because nothing good happens when you just think you want people to fail, you know? Is there anything, any parting thoughts, anything you want to mention, anything that you wish I would have asked anything? I think like, I, I guess you can hear it, but when you think about like, what, what's the most important things in a person's life, like in my life, if you would have asked, like it comes pretty clear. It's my family, my wife, Melanie, our, our family, our pups, my brother. Um, I have like, you know, a couple of very close friends, but I think anyone listening to this, I just want to know, I am so far from uh, a place of I've arrived or I have a lot to learn, man. I am not perfect. I make a ton of mistakes. But I think the important part of life is, you know, do the very best you can. If you make a mistake, it's never too late, number one, to do the right thing. Number two, it's never too late to apologize. And it's never too late to learn and grow from something. I think that's really important. Just figure out what, what drives you, what you're passionate about, what you love. And, that, and that's going to help you figure out how you can add value to this world. Because life's all about helping people. I really believe that. And I, I would not be talking to you. I probably wouldn't be sitting in this chair. You know, people get dramatic. Football saved my life. Sports saved my life. Or training saved my life. I don't know if that's the case, but it certainly helped me. And the reason that I can say those things that it helped me and I'm still here is because of people. You know, I've said it on every podcast I've ever been on. 
you know, I know a guy who has a license plate. It's self-made man. I'm like, dude, there's no such thing as a self-made man. If you, and if you don't realize that like, you've had help, like, I think you're a bit delusional. Like everyone's helped you. And people say, no, yeah. man, I, I'm a killer. I did it. I made it. And I have the best skill set, and I'm, I'm amazing. It's bullshit, man. You wouldn't have made it. There's people looking out for you and you don't even know it. And the reason that you're here is because they don't want credit. They don't want you to know. And you made it because of them. Right. So if you, if you don't realize that you're just living in a delusional place, you know, Mark, what's the best way for listeners to connect with you, the company, find out what your guys are up to. Okay. Awesome. This is the moment for you to plug whatever you want. <laughs> okay, cool. Well, I want to plug first and foremost, anatomy, uh, anatomy fitness in Miami. We have a location in the one hotel. We have one in since at Harbor, 12, 20, 20th street. And we won, um, 34, 15, uh, North, uh, Northeast second, um, in Midtown anatomy, go to anatomy at anatomy, uh, on Facebook or Instagram. We do a lot of posting, a lot of Insta stories right now. We're offering a lot of classes. It's, it's a very special place. Come in and visit us when we reopen. We're really excited about that and do it in a health and safe, safe, safe way. Excuse me. Um, secondly, um, I did write a book and it's called dream big, never quit. I'm really proud of that. It took forever. <laughs> I had a lot of help, a lot of editing help and, uh, you can buy that on Amazon dream big, never quit. Check it out. It's my life story told from me. Um, the movie, just a kid from fall river directed by Randy West. Check the movie out. It's on Amazon. It's on iTunes. It's on every possible format. There is for you. you can watch it. Google play. Randy West is a college teammate of mine from the university of Richmond. He does film work. He's never done a documentary. This is his first documentary. He traveled the United States and he collected 50 or more interviews from all over the United States and Canada, drove to them himself, got amazing content. I mean, I have friends who are coaches in the NFL, guys who coach me in the NFL. They're in this uh, general manager, of the New York Jets, people from ESPN, uh, college teachers, high school teachers, college coaches, high school coaches, friends, family, my brother, my wife. Everyone's in this thing. It will help you understand not only who I am, but. You're going to go through hurdles. You're going to go through hard times. Stay the course. Do the best you can. That's all you can ask. Dream big. Never quit the book. Just a kid from Fall River is the documentary. Please check it out and leave a review. That's a big help. You can follow me, Mark Megna, on Instagram and Twitter. I'm not on Twitter a lot. Mark Megna on Facebook and Instagram. I'm on Instagram quite often. Mark, thank you so much, man, for taking the time and for sharing your story. Thank you. Thank you very much for having me on. This was fun. Hey guys, this is Corrado again. Two quick things before you take off. One, remember that you can find detailed show notes for every single episode at miamicreators.com. And two, if you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and share this with someone you think would find it interesting. That's it. Until next time, thank you for listening.